Welcome back to THN on the Q. My name is Will. His name is Jamie. And behind the scenes is Connor Somerville, who's telling us that we have to wrap up in 30 minutes. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> it's another week in the Q, uh, Jamie. And um, there's a lot to cover here. But the first question I want to ask you, and by the way, Connor, I am not evil. I am just stating facts. Um, and I am not letting the man get bring me down. But you know who is bringing people down? the team in Drummondville, Quebec. So, yes. Jamie, you've seen a lot of ups and downs in your time in the queue. In St. John, mm-hmm. it's either, you know, Memorial Cup champion or missed the playoffs in recent years, it seems. Um, you ever seen many fans uh, kicking around uh, the old TD station with paper bags on their head? <laughs> I've, I've never seen that in person, but if I did, I would probably laugh. I, I think that's kind of funny. It's, it's, it's definitely a statement fashion-wise and also towards the team. Definitely. It's it's putting yourself out there at the very least. Um, uh, there, there may or may not be people that we know, by the way, in uh, Cape Breton uh, that have done this before. It seems like everything has happened in Cape Breton at least once, you know, between mm-hmm. trainers getting thrown out and, you know, you know, whatever else we've talked about on this podcast over the last few months, it's, it's happened in Cape Breton at least once. Paper bags mm-hmm. happen there as well. You'll have to talk to somebody who may or may not have been a former guest of our show to get more details on that. But the latest spot for the paper bags is in Drummondville. The Volts are 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Now, they did win in a shootout versus Bathurst on Sunday to snap a six-game losing streak. But people are not happy, and it has been a, a very rocky season in central Quebec. Jamie, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, it definitely feels like the, the coaching change they made hasn't quite had the, the big impact they had hoped. Um, and, you know, they've the paper bag guy, I don't can't, can't really blame them. I, I looked at their schedule. They've, they've only won two games in all of 2023. Um, they didn't have uh, the greatest of Decembers either. So it's been a, it's been a bad couple months for the Volts and, um, like we talked about when they made their coaching change, you look at their roster and it's, you know, it's not like they're, uh, a, you know, a team full of rookies and 17 year olds. Like they've got a pretty decent roster and to, to put it bluntly they're they've got some guys, right? Like they're not they a team full of yes. no names. Um, and for whatever reason, it's just not clicking there this year. Um, and I think it's definitely disappointing given that, um, they're in a division, uh, which went again, who's obviously rebuilding. Um, and then Victoriaville, who I think is still surprising all of us, but um, is probably a team that you could pick up some wins against compared to Sherbrooke. Um, so it's been a, a really disappointing year for the Volts. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you had in Blaineville, who, you know, they ended up you know, also a team that had a, an unexpectedly poor start to, to the season. And they just ended up selling. You know, they they traded the assets that they had. They were the most marketable, and and they went that direction. You know, it seems like with Drummondville, though, they just weren't at that point in the cycle. Like, what are you going to do? You you're going to trade Tyler Pedal at this point? You know, you're a team on the rise, and you're one of the best seventeen uh, year olds in the league. You're not going to yep. let it go of a guy like that. You're not going to let go of a guy like Riley Mercer in net. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have no choice but to stay the course. But uh, be curious to see what that course looks like uh, come the off season because you know the all it seems like there's a lot of lights on the dashboard right now. Be curious yeah. to see how things uh, how things wind down because really at this point, you know, what else can you do? You're past the trade period. What are you gonna do? Fire Eric Belanger after what was what been 25 games, maybe I'm yeah. guessing. Like it's just it's an untenable situation and uh, unfortunate, but uh, you know what. Uh, maybe a pa- maybe the paper bags uh, 
might just be what the doctor ordered. It's the the turning reason point. Why, it's it could point be. It could be. And and by the way, postscript to the uh, other paper bag gang uh, out on the Cape. After that happened, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Eagles like won seven in a row. So you never there you know. There you this go. guy Works, might so. be the secret. This yeah. guy, this guy might be the dark guy of Drummondville by the time it's all over. We're going to wait and see. But there's another team up in Quebec as well that's uh, certainly trending in the opposite direction. They're even younger than the Volks, and they are getting a lot of production from some of those young guys. We're talking about the Shkudmi Sagnea. Uh, they're six and four in the last 10. And uh, the guy who keeps showing up in the highlight reels, Jamie, is a guy who I think it's a very safe bet to say that even now, uh, three quarters of the way through his rookie season, he's going to be a star in this league, and that's Maxime Messe. Yep, always always impressive when you look at the key rookie scoring and the leaders, a 16-year-old, because you're always going to have you know those 17, 18-year-olds tossed in there. So really, really impressive season for uh, the third overall pick in, in, some, in summer draft. Um, 51 points in 48 games, uh, averaging over a point per game. That's just excellent numbers on a team that's not, you know, exceptional. Um, so really, right. really great, uh, really great start for him um, and for Shakutami as well. Four picks in the first round uh, last summer. So you know that they're, uh, I think, six or seven in the first two rounds. Um, so mm-hmm. really, really young team, really upcoming team who I think it's safe to say is maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. Um, and also a team... I, it's funny when I look at the Eastern Conference, there's all these teams who I thought, um, you know, their roster isn't great, but I think that maybe playing in a bad conference um, is going to lead them to good seasons. And a lot of the teams I thought would be able to do that haven't done that. Uh, but Shkudmi mm-hmm. has surprised me and, and kind of been one of those teams. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you get a guy up there in Yannick John who, first of all, has been there forever. You know, he's, you know, he, he he's really made his mark on that franchise uh, over really, you know, this is, I think, his third building cycle. Um, if, you, if you're counting things in that manner uh, with the SAGs, and he just knows how to get the most out of virtually any roster that's handed to him. Yeah. Um, but these these rosters, you know, the development side, where the development side of things plays such a crucial factor, he always seems to really excel, and he'll and he'll squeeze every uh, bit of talent out of out of that group uh, that that he can. Um, you know, and you know, you, you talk about Maxime Massey leading the league at, at 16. It just reminded me of, uh, you know, uh, there is a rule in place in the, in the queue for people who don't know about it. Uh, the Rookie of the Year award can now only go, or you can only be considered a rookie if you're 18 year, years in your 18 year old season or younger. And the guy who you can thank for that is Ladislav Nagy, who uh, is here in Halifax. Scored, I think it was 71 goals or something like that. He was a 19-year-old, but anybody could have been a rookie. So he like it basically he was Michael Bunting before Michael Bunting existed. You know, he pulled the old Billy Madison on everybody and just walked everybody, won the rookie of the year. And meanwhile, he's he had one technically only had one year of eligibility left anyway. So uh, interesting little caveat there. You mentioning 16-year-old Massey, uh, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And also uh, credit to the Sags, you know, they, uh, when, when you've been around for 50 seasons like them, uh, you, you can do a few things uh, with your, uh, with your celebrations. And they um, actually had an alumni game last week. And uh, one guy in particular who stood out to me um, 
had nothing to do with anything on the ice. And it was great to see uh, good old Richard Martell back yes. uh, behind the bench and uh, saw a couple of photos on social media. He still had that same look in his eyes, the intensity as if he was coaching like in, in the uh, Quebec league finals or something like that. Of course, he's now a member of parliament uh, mm-hmm. for the uh, Saguenay region. And uh, one of the nicer guys I've ever interviewed, He's, he's just a tremendous individual, very, very well-spoken, and uh, great to see them uh, pull something like that. You know, the te- as the teams down here in the Maritimes uh, uh, keep rolling uh, the mileage behind them, you can't help but wonder if we're going to see things like that happen down here soon. You know, Halifax, they're close to 30 years, so is Moncton, even St. John, you know, it's... You know, we're inching closer to two decades, hard as that is to believe. It'd be great to see something like that happen in a few other locales around the league that could pull it off. Yeah, and the Sea Dogs have done that um, a couple times, actually, uh, organized uh, by the late David Kelly. Um, uh, they did that at least, at least I believe, twice, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool events, and, you know, it. No, the, the players don't have to come back. Like, they're doing this on their own right. time. Um, and it just shows what an impact uh, those junior teams had on their lives when they're going to take time. Um, usually out of their off season to to come down um, and and spend some time back where uh, back where the careers all began. Yeah, and a great shout out there to DK, um, fellow Red Sox fan. We used to go back yes. and forth on that quite a bit. Also, go back and forth on who had the best cannolis in the north end of Boston as well. He was a Mike's pastry guy. I'm a modern pastry guy, but you know what? Uh, all in good fun, and he's still missed every single day, both in St. John throughout the league. So. Now, thanks for uh, bringing up that name because it brings back a lot of memories there, Jamie. Um, speaking of memories, um, here's something that neither one of us would remember, including me, who it seems like I'm the one that shows up here every week with my onion tied around my belt, taking the ferry to Shelbyville and telling you about things that happened like forever. Great modern resume. Okay, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Great. I'll just... I'll, I'll just be uh, I'll just be going to have my nap now. You can take over the rest of the show here. Um, let's uh, talk a little bit about a team uh, or a city that hasn't hosted a Q franchise in over thirty years, and the talk is, at least from one corner, that it might come back. The league might come back, and that is Trois-Rivières. Um there is a local invest, investor who has expressed interest in purchasing the Blainville property and Armada, moving that team to Trois-Rivières. There's a brand new arena in Trois-Rivières, um, and uh, the setup is certainly there. Um, but there's also something else there, and that's uh, an ECHL franchise, the, uh, the uh, Lions. Uh, it's a slight, slight <laughs> little wrinkle in the plan, let's call it. Uh, Lions are in their second season of operations, still have three years remaining on the lease. So this is something that really can't work right now. But, uh, you know, back in the day, the uh, Trois-Rivières, uh, first they were known as the Duke, and uh, which I believe is some sort of owl creature, if you go on the Q website, I think that's what the logo was. So, um, And also the Traver, as they were better known as. They won a few league titles uh, back in the day, uh, and uh, have, but they have not had a franchise since 1992. Um, it'd be interesting to see how this all plays out, Jamie. Uh, you know, once that lease come, uh, that lease comes available, um, will the fans want to lose a higher caliber of hockey? Uh, will it be feasible for the ECHL to stay? And would they embrace a junior team? A lot of questions there. 
Yeah, this is a fascinating one. And this, the second Trois-Rivières started building this arena, you kind of knew that this was going to be a topic. Um, and it kind of feels like Trois-Rivières to the queue is going to be what Quebec City is in the NHL. You have this, mm-hmm. this building that's ready. You have a market that probably wants it. Um, but there's just other factors that come into play here. Um, mm-hmm. And the Lions are obviously one of them. Uh, but I think the bigger one is just Schwinnigan. And for those who don't know, Schwinnigan is very close to Trois-Rivières. And um, a lot of the junior teams, when they go to Schwinnigan, actually stay in Trois-Rivières. And I know most of the media stayed there during the draft a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So very close together. Um, and Steve Steve Turcott from uh, Les Nouvelles, who's very dialed into the Schwinnigan scene, um, had a really good article kind of debunking a lot of these speculations and rumors. Um, but interesting little tidbit from that, it's... From the sounds of it, Schwinnigan doesn't have the power to simply veto um, this decision anymore, but um, it does sound like Schwinnigan would have the support of the owners to stop this move um, if it gets that far. So it definitely sounds like if Schwinnigan doesn't want this team in Trois-Rivières, um, it's not going to happen um, unless something uh, unless something happens. And I, I would assume that Schwinnigan must have some sort of, uh, of data on their tickets to say that this move would be bad. Um, otherwise, it, you know, it seems like a natural rivalry, uh, which would probably be good for the queue. But I, I don't know. What, do you, what are your thoughts here, Will? Well, I mean, the two cities coexisted in the league for, what sure. was it, you know, 25 years almost, uh, from the inception of the league until 1992. So, I mean, it's not that it hasn't been done before. It's not that it couldn't be done. Um, of course, the league's a lot different than it, than it was back then. You know, you're, you're talking about a time when the league was solely in Quebec. There's like 10 teams. Um, attendance, you know, there, there was no place, like, I'd say probably if I was to guess, you know, back in that era, like the late 80s, early 90s, Quebec City was probably, or sorry, Gatineau was probably uh, one of the bigger markets. Uh, nobody had a big arena. Um, so a lot has changed. It's a much bigger business than what it used to. So I can understand from that standpoint, cutting into, you know, losing, you know, 750,000 fans a game in 2023 is a lot different than losing that number in 1992. It's not Mm -hmm. ideal at any time, but I will say this much. Um, I would love to see it happen um, for, if no other reason, um, this league has had a terrible time in the Montreal area, uh, keeping franchises there um, and, and trying to foster some sort of history in, in the area. Um, And that's not a knock against the league. It's just Montreal's a big city and they kind of have a team that overshadows like the universe. Uh, I'll rock it. Yes, the Laval Rocket. I was going to say the Montreal Estranger of the oh, okay. Junior A League. Yeah. But you know what? The Laval Rocket, close second. I'll give you that. Um, it's it, it's just so hard to overcome that, which is why they've gone to the suburbs. They've gone to Blainville. Uh, they, they went to Verdun instead of going right to downtown Montreal with the old Montreal Junior. Um, but... I, I think, and it's not to you know confirm that the league doesn't work in Montreal, but it's more to put another franchise in the league that will foster a natural rivalry. Um, who's the rival of the Blainville Bravery under Armada? Nobody. 
really. They're solid franchises. Let's be honest. This isn't Drummondville, Victoriaville. This isn't, you know, this isn't you know, Quebec Ramouski or Quebec Chicoutimi or Moncton Halifax or pick your, you know, Valdor Miranda Randa. The list goes on. You can name every other team in this league has one key rival. I feel you could safely say. Maybe not Sherbrooke, uh, but I think one's developing with Gatineau, especially this year, and perhaps Quebec. But Blainville really doesn't have that. They're kind of antiseptic out in the suburbs. I do I want to see them move strictly because because you know they quote unquote should move? No. But if it means a a stronger rivalry and a little more passion in the league, and by the way, if if the right people are in place to foster a bit of a rivalry, it's not gonna hurt ticket sales. It's probably only gonna improve them. Mm-hmm. I think with the right mentality, this could work and it could work quite well. And I've been saying, I've been sort of looking at it myself for, you know, 25, 30 years. Why isn't yeah. there a team in Trois Rivières? Mm-hmm. It, it only makes sense. And there's not many places that the league could move or expand to anymore anyway. Most of the markets are filled up. This is the logical step, I think. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. Like the, eventually a team is just going to, they need to move um, for whatever reason. And Trois is there. And, you know, where else can the league really go at this point? There's just not a lot of natural places for them to go. Um, no, and I, no. I would love to know, I would love to know the league's thoughts on this because at Trois-Rivières, I mean, that would be a pretty, that's a pretty big market for the queue to move into. Um, mm-hmm. And this will be a shock to a lot of people. I have been to this new arena. Um, and this this arena would instantly, <laughs> instantly. No, instantly I, I don't believe you. <laughs> but this arena fake would news. instantly. You are yeah, fake right? news. Right? This arena instantly becomes one of the best rinks in the league. Um, it's top notch. Um, and I would just swing this into another conversation we're going to have on this program. Um, I would go as far as to say that Trois-Rivières becomes a contender to host a Memorial Cup with this building in that city. So um, if I'm the Q, I really want to try and get in this market anyway again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And like I say, you know, I, I'd like to reiterate this isn't at the expense of the Blainville Barbary and Armada. Obviously, that's the story right now. But if anybody's been looking at some of the attendance figures, and I know that the, everything that's happened to that team this year has not contributed to attendance. Let's make that perfectly clear. Um, but I mean, if things don't improve, invariably change has to be made. Um, but, you know, however it happens, um, a team in Trois-Rivières only makes sense for this league. And I think, you know, as much as Schumann would have the right to veto it, I think they would have, uh, just as much right to embrace it. Um, and I agree, potential Memorial Cup host. And while we're on that topic, the OHL, of course, is hosting in 2024. Uh, it's their first time hosting in what seems like forever, uh, but in fact, it's only since 2017. Although, you think about it, Jamie, by the time they get around to the 2024 uh, tournament, that's seven years. You know, between COVID and the 100th anniversary and, you know, you name it, it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, coming back to the O, four teams have submitted uh, applications to host Kingston Frontenacs, Niagara Ice Dogs, Sault Ste. Marie, Greyhounds, and Saginaw Spirit. So that led us to wonder, Q is hosting in 2025. And when you look across the landscape of the league, Jamie, who do you see as the most viable hosts for that tournament when it swings around here in a couple of years' time? 
well, this, you know, I hadn't really thought about this until you brought it up, but this is a really uh, fascinating I'll take that one. as a compliment. <laughs> of course, always do. This is a fascinating <laughs> one because when I first thought about this, well, there's no way it's come back to Maritimes again. Okay. Right. Well, how about Gatineau? They have a new building. Well, they're probably not going to have a good team by then. Well, mm -hmm. what about Quebec City? Well, they just hosted it recently. So, you know, who does that have left to host? Um, you know, I think you're kind of looking at the smaller markets at this point. Um, mm -hmm. I know there's been some talk about Ramuski, who hosted uh, back in 2009. Um, maybe they'll have the team ready by then. Um, Schwinnigan again, which would be awesome. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. I know there, there's lots, tons of drama. We could have we could have a whole podcast series on the the 2012 mm. Memorial Cup. Um, and then, and then you're looking at smaller, even smaller rinks there. Drummondville is getting some significant arena upgrades, uh, eventually, mm. uh, as Connor just mentioned, Sherbrooke, problem with Sherbrooke is their rink. I think it's a little bit too small. It's a, it's a small rink would be a great city to have it in though. I thought, I thought that host, I thought that held close to five grand. Am I incorrect? Yeah. I think that? it's around 35, close to four. Really? Is that around that? Yeah. Maybe 45. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, funny because I mean, for the size of the city of Sherbrooke. Yep. The fact that they renovated it for the Phoenix to yep. to uh, move in, that's um, a little bit surprising. Yep. But I mean, you know, one of us on this podcast has probably been in that building. So I think I will have to defer to that person. <laughs> so I think yeah, 3646. 3646. Thanks to Connor yep. Somerville doing all the research, yes. which also proves that he also listens to this as it's recording. which. That's a, that, yeah, well, no, yeah. Okay. I was going to say he deserves a badge of honor, but instead Jamie's just going to take shots at him. That's okay. <laughs> I approve of both. I approve of both reactions. <laughs> so yeah, this is, this is a tough call. Like I, I do wonder about maybe, maybe they would be open to Moncton. Um, I know mm -hmm. the Maritimes again, I don't know if the league would really like that, but at the same time, it, you know, you've only got so many options here. Right. And, and that's just it, you know, um, you know, Quebec, Quebec's not really going to be at the, well, sorry, if I was talking about any other league, any other team in the league, probably I would say, yeah, Quebec's not really going to be at that point in their cycle, but Quebec is one of those teams that could probably find a way to get to that point in their cycle. Um, maybe that's Patrick Waugh's last ride and he makes it the last, uh, makes it the high point of the cycle again uh, to, uh, with a quick two year, two, two year turnaround. Who knows? Another one, too, and uh, we hadn't discussed this uh, before going to air, but, uh, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, I'm a little slow to connect the dots, as anybody would attest to, I'm sure. By the way, that'll be a great one for the mailbag. You know, <laughs> anybody who knows me personally, you can feel free to write in and uh, tell people how I'm a little slow to grasp concepts of things. It won't make it to air. But anyway, um, what about Shkudmi Segnea? Oh, that yeah. team will be great. Yep. That one, they will be right at peak or very close to it. And uh, the Centre Georges Vesna, I do believe, and I'll rely on Jamie's memory and Connor's research to confirm this, I believe it's close to 5,000 seats in that rank. And it yep. would be a loud rank, to be sure, if they yep. host it. That would and be incredible. Yeah, it would be incredible. And they, I can tell you, though, Will, like they need some fairly significant upgrades to their rink if they want to do that. And I know there's, they've had trouble just with their ice um, over the years. So mm -hmm. um, having that you know, played in late May, early June is definitely an issue. Um, mm -hmm. And then, of course, the big question, will the CHL want to have the Memorial Cup on an Olympic ice sheet? That would be very interesting. Ooh, 
Good question. Good question. You know what? It's funny. That rink underwent uh, some substantial modifications and the upgrades. Let's say it was about, probably about 10 years ago now or mm-hmm. close to it. And I thought for sure the Olympic ice was going to come out. They were going to shrink it down to NHL size, maybe put a couple more rows of seats in there somewhere. Yeah. And, and it never happened. And, you know, and the fact that the ice uh, is an issue. I mean, the rink was built in 1949. Um, it makes you wonder how much of su- of the substructure in that building was actually tended to or, mm-hmm. or, or overhauled. Does it become a situation like the, uh, the Halifax Mooseheads did before they hosted in 2019, where they actually ripped up the slab underneath uh, the ice surface slab, the concrete slab, and redid all the mechanical works and the refrigerant piping and all that. And, and I know this is getting super exciting, by the way, to everybody. Listening. I love this. Now I'm, this talking, is I'm talking about refrigerant piping now at a <laughs> 70 year old arena. Um, maybe they turn around and, and do something major like that. It'll yeah. probably, it'll cost, it, it would theoretically cost the Saguenay uh, a chunk of their uh, uh, early home schedule. They would have to condense that schedule. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's, there's ways around it for sure. Yeah if it's a viable thing uh, on the part of the city, uh, but it's certainly a viable thing on the part of the team. They uh, yeah. they and, would have a strong team. And Shikudami 100% could host some World Cup. Beautiful city, uh, definitely large yeah. enough. Would be, it would be awesome to see it up there. Definitely, definitely. Be interesting to see. We'll find out in about a year's time who's uh, submitted from the queue and uh, kind of take it uh, from there. Uh, generally, generally that gets announced in uh, April in uh, normal circumstances. So uh, we'll keep an eye on the O this year and the Q next. Um, in the meantime, or sorry, the yeah, O that this year and Q next. Yeah, that sounds about right. Told you I have difficulty connecting the dots. <laughs> You have difficulty listening to this podcast. I don't blame you because I just inherited a new tongue. You want to talk about that? Do you have any questions for us? Do you have any comments? Or do you have? Do you want us to talk about anything and everything Q-related? Send us a message on Twitter. We will pick it out of the mailbag and give it a read on the air. I'm at at Will McWriter, M-A-C-W-R-I-T-E-R. Jamie's at at station underscore nation we'd love to hear from you keep those letters coming in let's talk about the nhl team profile for the week and uh, i'm kind of waiting on this one since the beginning of the season because there's a there's some names you're going to want to watch your feet with all these name drops that are coming up uh we're going to chat about uh, the pittsburgh penguins and if there's one team in the nhl jamie that can probably thank its existence to players from the QMJHL over the course of its history. This is the one. There was a guy in the 80s and there was a guy in the early 2000s, both of whom came at just the right time and are probably the main reason why this team isn't playing in like Oklahoma City or something. Mm-hmm. Let's let's chat a little bit about the Pens. There's only one drafted player in the queue right now. That's Isaac Bellavone. He's a guy that, you know, he, he's just a Steadying force. Like he's been around. This is his fifth year in the league. Uh, he was drafted in 2021 by the Pens in, in round five. But you know what? He is um, he is part of a very, very deep decor in Gatineau right now. And uh, um, by all accounts, you know, still getting the same results and playing his steady game and helping that team uh, reach the upper echelon of the standings. Yeah, having a great season. Uh, I looked at elite prospects before the show on pace for 50 points in 55 games. So really, uh, really good season. Um, and then, you know, 
poised for a long playoff run too. And I, I feel like he's going to be a guy that's going to, you know, <laughs> play like those, those legendary minutes that we see a lot mm-hmm. of uh, veteran defensemen do uh, in the Q playoffs. Yeah. yeah he, he seems like uh, they play different games. I think Isaac, Isaac Belvo has always been a little more offensively driven, but you know, I, I think uh, when the, um, when um, Shawinigan was at the Memorial Cup last summer, uh, you know, maybe a guy like either Isaac Minard or Angus Booth, who mm-hmm. played, you know, fairly big minutes, yeah. um, Booth especially, who uh, was kind of un- unheralded because he was injured part of the season, uh, and even, you know, turn around on the Sea Dogs side, you know, maybe he's their Vincent Savigny as well. The veteran presence who yep. can who can pop in a goal or, or come up with key assist at key time and can be out there in all situations and backing up you know two first rate guys in Tristan Luno and Morgan and Morgan. Yep. Noah Warren not Morgan Warren who by the way played for the Moncton Wildcats about twenty five years ago get <laughs> that onion tied to my belt once again um, uh, AHL number of guys uh, and. Uh, at least a couple of guys here, I think, uh, Jamie, that is safe to say you're going to see them uh, perhaps on a regular basis in the NHL. And one of them have already, has already made his uh, debut this year. Yeah, and it's interesting kind of looking at this list, you know, Ravis Anson, Samuel Pula, Nathan Legere, Samuel Hood, and then uh, defense money, Xavier Goulet. A lot of those forwards, they kind of have the same type of mold. They're kind of those responsible two-way guys not explosive offensively, uh, but, you know, interesting that they're, they're kind of the same type of player. So obviously Pittsburgh kind of has a type, um, but then it's obviously Poulin, who's a bit more of a, an elite offensive guy who I think uh, mm-hmm. definitely has a shot at, at sticking around in the NHL for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And he is the guy who's already made his debut. Mm-hmm. I think he has one assist in three games uh, in a brief call up with the Pens this year. Uh, Nathan Lagare, just a pure sniper. Um, 40 goal guy in the queue knew how to shoot the puck really one of the better releases in recent times uh, in the league and uh, shout out to Xavier Ouellette we talked about the Montreal Junior uh, earlier on yeah. in this broadcast there's a Montreal Junior alumni for you right there uh, played at the venerable Verdun Auditorium still my favorite Q barn that I've ever been to you know uh, I mean Jamie you've been to about you know 15 more than I have. So uh, you, you might have one that you favor a little bit more, but it uh, can't be a, a night at the old auditorium with two man benches and the, mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, gar- garbled uh, sound system and phone booths for broadcast booths. It's great. Oh, no, that's fun. <laughs> no, it's, it's a time and a half. Uh, four guys in the ECHL right now with the wheeling nailers and boy, the wheeling nailers. They've been around forever. Like that's been Pittsburgh's team for, literally decades you don't see an affiliate stick with an ahl team for as long as wheeling has with uh with pittsburgh and it's the echl too so uh good for them uh, felix Perret, uh, samuel tremblay former blame phone gatineau uh, winger brooklyn komikov just wrapped up his junior career last year with the Moncton wildcats of course cedric de Ruscio, who had the absolute monster pandemic season with the yes. charlottetown islanders as a 20 year old with 42 goals and I believe it was something like 40 games or something like that. And, uh, trudging along, uh, at a, at a decent clip right now in the, in the, the E as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great to see. Yeah. Uh, then we get to the NHL, uh, three guys. Um, we'll start with PO Joseph, um, defenseman from Charlottetown and Drummondville who had a very solid career 
you know, now he's he's uh, a regular fixture in the NHL. You know, high sticking his brother uh, Matthew uh, when he when uh, he plays uh, against Ottawa. Of course, they high stick each other on the same play. It's it, it, it's very um, it, it's one of those fun family moments. I think. Then yep. you've got a guy yep, like, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, if you can't high stick your brother, who can you? High stick? <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, um, Chris Letang, who I think by the time he retires, somebody should be writing a book about that guy. Yeah. Um, a doctor should be what, writing a book about him. <laughs> he'll be in a medical journal for sure. Yeah. We know that. But you think about it, you know, uh, between, you know, the, here's a guy who rookie season in the NHL, his best friend and former D partner with Valdor, Luke Bourdon, killed tragically mm-hmm. in a motor- motorcycle accident, uh, goes on to win. The cup that happened during his the Stanley Cup final, of course, goes on to win the cup the following year. He's now survived two strokes. Uh, fortunately, lost his father rather uh, suddenly earlier this season. Like he's a guy that you just want the best for because it seems like for every every uh, positive that's happened in his career or in his life, there's been something that has completely thrown that would throw anybody for a loop. And it's just uh, it's a fascinating story. Not to sound somewhat morbid. But for sure, it, it, it's a it, you know there, there, there's a moral there. There's a tale worth telling, and you know I really hope personally he he wants to tell it someday because it could be inspiring to a lot of people. On top of the fact that he's one heck of a defenseman and has been for a, a decade and a half in the NHL. Yeah. Then there's another guy. Um, so before. Um, before I go much further, um, it would probably surprise nobody to hear from me that the greatest player that I've seen play in the queue was Sidney Crosby. Um, he's had some decent competition there from Ramuski alone in guys like LeCavalier and Richards and, and that whole crew. And then later on, in, you know, Nathan McKinnon with the Mooseheads and, and, and guys like that, top, top, top tier guys. But um I'm curious to find out from you, Jamie, if and not to put you on the spot, but that's what I'm going to do. Um, who from your time watching the queue would you say is the best player you've seen? Uh, that's a good one. Probably McKinnon. I think McKinnon, I think, you know, Huberto in his draft year was elite. Um, you know, I always go back to someone who, <laughs> who a lot of people may not even remember, Stanislav Galiev, who played for St. John, who was an import mm-hmm. player. One of the most mm-hmm. dominant players I've seen play in a game. Um, at times, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, you know Radulov as well. Uh, yeah. But I actually never saw Crosby play, so I'll take your word for it. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you'll have to. Yeah, I'm probably <laughs> making this up, Jamie. Um, but you know, he wasn't bad. Yes, um, I uh, he is uh, he he has made a couple of plays at the old Moncton Coliseum that I have not seen an NHLer make. Including Sidney Crosby, the NHL uh, at top speed. Uh, yeah. So, uh, no, a special couple of years in the year in the league for sure. When when Sid was uh, was around, and uh, really, he's you know one of if there's three flag bearers in the queue. There's of course the late Gila Fleur. There's Mario, and uh, and there's Sid. And you know when you're at that level and your numbers retired league wide, uh, what else can you say? So that'll bring us to our 2023 draft prospect of the week. And we are going a little older 
this year, this week, uh, Jamie. We're going to talk about Justin Gill from Sherbrooke Phoenix. Um, he's been passed over. He was passed over in the 2021 NHL draft, passed over in 2022. Probably a strong possibility he's not going to be t- passed over the third time around. Yeah, having a great season uh, with Sherbrooke. Uh, just turned 20 uh, January 27th, so happy birthday to him. Um, I think, you know, it, it, certainly a strong chance he'll get drafted. I'd say pro- a definite chance he'll either get drafted or signed uh, by as a free agent by a team, I would assume. So um, definitely uh, has a shot at turning pro. Um, on pace for 96 points this season if he plays the full season, so almost 100 points. Uh, plays with that electric Sherbrooke team. Um, it's kind of moved down a little bit um, in the lineup. Now that they've made some some acquisitions, but still on a good pace. Uh, currently six six in Q scoring, um, very good for uh, undrafted nineteen year olds. So you know he's going to be um, getting some attention. Um, you know, and really a guy who is perhaps a late bloomer, I would say. Uh, only had forty six points played in all, all sixty eight games last year. Only had forty six points, so definitely a guy who. Um, is finding a scoring touch as he gets older. And maybe a guy, since we talk, mention this every show, uh, maybe a guy who uh, is a bit of a late bloomer because of the COVID issues. Yeah, a uh, strong possibility. You know, you almost want to put him in that same basket as a guy like Maxime Pellerin in, mm-hmm. in Victoriaville, who was, you know, highly touted at the time uh, he was drafted and really put it together this year after uh, uh, a few years in which the, the, the points weren't quite coming. So I'm curious to see what happens to him in the off season. He was invited to Vancouver Canucks uh, training camp in 2022. Um, but the Canucks of course were too busy, you know, making fun of Bruce Boudreau and, you know, whatever else they do in yep. Vancouver. Priorities. So priorities, right? they have priorities. Exactly. So they, they kind of, uh, uh, they kind of let poor Justin go by the wayside and, uh, it would be interesting to see where he uh, shows up uh, this coming summer because uh, you can bet whether it's by the draft or by free agency, as you mentioned, Jamie, he is going to be in a pro camp somewhere. Yep. And that'll about do it for us for this week. Um, Jamie, this is one stacked week for games this week. Um, what are you looking forward to just to close things out here? Yeah, I'm looking at right at Gatineau's schedule. Uh, huge, huge game tomorrow night. Or We're taping this on Tuesday night. So Wednesday night, uh, Halifax visiting Gatineau. Um, huge game there, obviously. Um, and then a really quick turnaround for Gatineau, who's going to play their annual uh, series against the Ottawa 67s, which is always noteworthy, but especially noteworthy this year, given that Ottawa sits first overall in the OHL. Um, Gatineau near the top of the queue. This is potentially a Memorial Cup matchup. So uh, really, really cool that we see this in the regular season. Um, and if the CHL is listening to this, please give us more of these uh, every year, please. That is, that will be a topic on a future episode too. Trust me, After especially after this week, when these two teams get together and we hope put on a show for the fans in Ottawa and in Gatineau and in both of those respective leagues as well. We are going to have something to say about it. You can absolutely bet on that. So we will wait and see how that all transpires, and we'll wait and see what other news comes down the pipe. If you have anything that you want to share with us, questions, comments, anything of that nature, remember to send it to us. We will read it on the air. Follow us on Twitter and get those comments to us. For Jamie Tozer, I'm Will McLaren. This has been another edition of THN on the Cube, brought to you by BetMGM. We'll see you next week.